Betsy Ross. That's what he's known as. Gilbert Baker, the gay Betsy Ross. He was the... Uh, I didn't know there was one. He was the San Francisco San Franciscan who came up with the rainbow flag 40 years ago. Huh. And the Pride Parade is uh, this weekend. Give me back my refraction of sunlight, by the way. Roy G. I Bibb. Like, I like rainbows. Maybe Roy G. Bibb was gay. I got no problem with anybody. Love who you love. I wish you had a long and happy life. But uh, it would be nice to sport a rainbow without somebody thinking I'm some sort of, you know, d- 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 engaged in some sort of gay rights activism. Huh? Anyway. Thought that was interesting. Speaking of things in the sky, boy, this thrills me. Uh, first, uh, a quick aside. Should have copyrighted aside. that. Didn't. Uh, didn't. Hmm. It made, made you a lot of money. It's not about money, Jack. Well, it's clearly not. Clearly not. So he shouldn't have copyrighted. Oh, my God. It just reset on me. You son of a bitch. Hang on a second. Oh, there we go. Uh, I don't wear a lot of T-shirts with messages on them. Political type T-shirts. I wear my jacket that says, I don't care. All the time. I don't really care. Do Everywhere you? I go. Yeah, especially when funerals. I'm, especially when I'm deliberately going somewhere to show that I care. That's yeah, so why I said funerals. Always do a funeral. I wear my jacket that says I don't really care. Oh yeah, I, I I was going to visit a friend in the hospital and I almost forgot my I don't really care jacket, <laughs> so I ran back in and grabbed it. We're talking, of course, of Melania <clears throat> Trump. Google it. So uh, I don't wear a lot of message T-shirts because I don't want people looking at me, and I don't want <laughs> to get drawn into a discussion about politics. You don't even like a vague, like, I got Flash, I got superheroes. Oh, I that's got, fine. Uh, oh, I yeah. Got my Hogwarts t-shirt. Not, not like, really a message. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. Just not, like, draw you in uh, expressing my opinion t-shirts. Gotcha. I'm not into that. Although, I do have a couple that I like so much I've begun wearing, including my Sweet Meteor of Death 2016 t-shirt that says Republicans, and then there's an unchecked box, Democrats, unchecked box, and then the next box is... uh. Extinction-level asteroid impact. Smod. Smod. Sweet meter of death. I saw a guy with a Smod bumper sticker the other day. Yeah. I had to explain it to my son. Well, I just saw Jonah Goldberg uh, retweeted Smod, the sweet meteor of death. <laughs> uh, and, and Smod's latest tweet is, I know the immigration debate is emotional and sometimes very confusing, but there is one glaringly obvious solution that no one seems to be discussing. The death of all humans in an extinction-level asteroid impact. The sweet meteor of death. Good to see Smod back and commenting on the nation's news. Oh, boy. I've been reading more and more about that meteor that wiped out the dinosaurs. That's the most important day in uh, world history, planet history. I think it was July 4th, 1776, Jack. That could be in human history. Certainly over time it will be, I hope. Mm. Or it'll go away and be a footnote. Yeah, like in the next decade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the dinosaurs, the asteroid, that's really impressed you, huh? Yeah, well, it's, it's hard. They're lizards, you know. It's hard to imagine. Well, it's it's by far the most significant day in, in planet history. And uh, the new book out about the dinosaurs is trying to, to, to bring back the, the idea that, that, that we, we think about the dinosaurs and all that stuff as if it were another planet, but it was this one. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It just everything completely changed. Beasts were much bigger. <laughs> For one thing, there there's, you, sure. there's no particular reason that we're all the size we are. We could be 30 feet tall or, oh, I wish. or three feet tall. Oh, I dunk all the time. <laughs> um, I think they would raise the goal height. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Oh, oh, damn. Now it's 50 feet and I still can't jump. 
I don't know. I just think I'd, it's interesting. I'd bought the theory that uh, you remember, you know, quite more recently than than the dinosaurs is your giant beasts of old, like the mastodon, the woolly mammoth, your your giant. What's the name of not saber tooth tiger, but there was a giant tiger looking thing. You got buffaloes the size of houses, et cetera, et cetera. That once humankind uh, got uh, got got better at hunting, that those beasts were just too attractive, and and too v- valuable to pass up, and so he hunted them to extinction. And and the smaller beasts had a real advantage once humankind began, you know, hunting effectively. So I did, one thing I learned from this book though is the Bone Wars, which I'd never heard of. Dinosaurs we haven't known about dinosaurs for very long. Currently, they're discovering a new dinosaur every week. And they have been for years. Wow. That's awesome. But nobody knew about the dinosaurs until the mid-1800s, I remember. But it hasn't been that long that we knew that dinosaurs existed. But the Bone Wars, there were two main guys that were battling to be the king of the dinosaurs. That's actually the title of a porn I'm trying to get financed, too. But I, I, I've had a GoFundMe page for weeks. I'm a, not getting any money. A porn? A porn, yeah. Um, so these two guys, they were like the, the, the main dinosaur guys. They were going around and they were battling to be the, the most prized dinosaur person. So during the bone wars, when it reached its apex, they had each discovered a dinosaur field, bone fossil field, Mm -hmm. and they were discovering dinosaurs all the time and getting famous stuff like that. The one guy blew up the field rather than have, Oh my God, rather he dynamited it rather than have his, uh, his, competitor go in and get a chance to check on the bones. Wow. Playing for keeps. How that's, crazy is that? That's some good scientific enlightenment. <laughs> yeah, <there. isn't> it? <laughs> Idiots. Jack, I bring to you the Gigantopithecus. Hmm? Closely related to the orangutan. Uh, the dude was a vegetarian, but could grow up to nine feet tall and weigh up to 1,100 pounds. Its strength would have been extraordinary. Finally went extinct 300,000 years ago. So a 1,000-pound orangutan. Yeah, can you imagine? Because a 200-pound chimp could whoop up on 10 guys and leave them in bloody messes. Can you imagine? A, well, at least like a 1,200-pound orangutan. Holy crap. And then, of course, you have the Asdarkid. Imagine a giraffe. Now imagine a giraffe with a long beak. Now imagine that that giraffe can fly and it's carnivorous. <laughs> That's the Asdarkid, mm. a kind of a pterosaur, most popularly known as pterodactyls, largest flying creature ever to existed. Some of them had wingspans probably 45 feet across, making them as large as a small plane. It's the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. That's yeah, wild. Yeah, please, a carnivorous small plane. It's awesome. Unbelievable. So the book that has captivated me is The Rise and Fall of the Dinosaurs, A New History. Also known as Mogi, Moby Dick. A New History of a Lost World, and it's it's pretty interesting, but uh, he points out the worst day in the history of our planet was 66 million years ago when asteroid, an asteroid hit the Yucatan Peninsula um, with the force of over 100 trillion tons of TNT. Somewhere in, the, the incident. <laughs> somewhere in the vicinity of a billion nuclear bombs worth of injury, oh. energy. A billion nuclear bombs. Woo. And it was the biggest day in Earth-changing history. And probably wouldn't have people and uh, computers and uh, Tom Arnold if, we, if that hadn't happened. <laughs> Good Lord, it's chilling. It might have helped kill off the Meganura, one of the largest known flying insects ever to exist. It's a dragonfly with a wingspan the length of a toddler. 
An insect that's like three feet across. Yes, exactly. Honey, where's the flies water? <laughs> where's a shotgun? <laughs> wow, the you'd be battling that thing. You'd be out in the backyard with that thing. <laughs> then you get, wrestle it to the ground. You got the Argentavis magnificens. This bird was believed to have lived six million years ago with a wingspan between nineteen and twenty-six feet. Only slightly smaller than a Learjet. In addition to its staggering size and 240-pound weight, the bird is believed to have swallowed prey as large as cattle in one fell swoop. Oh, my God. I'm telling you. Humans are so inept when it comes to just actual yeah. physical F- qualities. Mm. Yeah. So, the mama, so the mama bird would have come and picked you up by the head and then dropped you into the baby bird's mouth. Oh, boy. I mean, like that. Oh, These boy. things have, like, beaks and talons. We have fingernails and hair. Yeah. Yeah. I got a But fifth. a brain that can get invent a gun. Bluey, you're dead now. Well, I right. win. And all of a sudden, who's the apex predator? This guy. <laughs> Who has t- two thumbs? Is at the top of the food chain? Here's a 2,500-pound, 50-foot uh, python creature. 2,500 pounds. And, of course, Megalodon, the gigantic shark. That could be uh, 60, 70 feet long. That's a BFS right there. Yeah. You know what? I'm, uh, I'm into uh, giant prehistoric mammals, though. Come on. That was my, my hobby as a kid. Did I ever tell you about the, uh, the book report I wrote on prehistoric horses as a fifth grader? It's very well received. Should have been published in a peer-reviewed journal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Here's some, uh, some great... Uh, never mind. Even I'm tired. I would of this. like to see the new Jurassic Park movie just because I want to see where they are in terms of CGI effects and making dinosaurs come to life on the screen. How do you feel about a one-ton armadillo? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that seems Which like is, a big one. That's the name of my uh, heavy metal band. All of our songs are really, really slow. I mean, like one, <laughs> two, three. That's one-ton armadillo. Come on out and see us. <laughs> And you're playing uh, some T-Rex? Is that what you're doing? Yep. Gotcha. Mostly T-Rex covers, yeah. That's <laughs> Mastodons, uh, mammoths, the dire wolf, dead fans. huh? So we do have clips of the week that we should get to. Oh, yeah. Dang. Forgot. Um, we can talk about the Internet of Cows, which apparently is coming. Um, <laughs> the what now? Maybe a little more on the death of uh, Charles Krauthammer, who I was a big fan of. It just, you know. Indeed. On the most selfish level, it just sucks that I don't get to hear what he thinks about the news of the day every day. And I'll tell you about the giant beaver. Stay with us. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't care if you know, oh, go ahead, Michael. Crank it up. It's very exciting to talk about the giant beaver. Here's a hook. There you go. Friday. The hook will bring you back. Yes. Uh, it's exciting to talk about the giant beaver until you consider that Regular beavers are fairly small, and so, you know, you can be a giant beaver, but you're only 125 pounds. So the giant beaver is a bit of a disappointment among us who really enjoy large prehistoric creatures. 
So we got a bunch of texts. I'll hit you with a couple of them before we get the clips of the week. Again with the dinosaurs. How young an audience are you shooting for? That's pretty funny. <laughs> We're big with nine-year-olds. Uh, the book claims that uh, when the asteroid hit Earth, it was the biggest day in Earth history. This texter said, the day a Mars-sized planet hit Earth and formed the moon is more important IMO, but you do you. <laughs> I appreciate the even-handed tone, the conciliatory uh, nature of that uh, that text. And, oh, Jack, a Hogwarts t-shirt sends a message. The message is, I'm a big, big dork. <laughs> I, I wear it because my kids really enjoy it. That's, yeah. That's why I wear it. Yeah. I would not on my own. You giant beaver. Childless. Go get a Hogwarts t-shirt. So I need to tell you more about the iconic photo of the screeching little girl who moved a nation's hearts and is not at all what it seemed like. But first, let's take a fond look back at the week that was. It's Cal Clips of the Week. Um, I don't think it's my job to prove the bias impacted the investigation. I think it's his job to prove that it did not. To immediately begin the process necessary to establish a space force. It's turned into, you know, basically a red light district, um, a homeless camp, an open air drug market. I read today about a 10-year-old girl with Down syndrome who was taken from her mother and put in a cage. I read about... How dare you? Here is a complete disc jockey show with all the modern pace of today's exciting radio. Looking at World Cup highlights the other day, and there were how many games are played in a typical day? Seven, two, there were nineteen. I have no idea. Do you know, Sean? Uh, It's a couple, two to three, maybe on a bit really busy day. Maybe there were three goals scored total for the day. (laughs) Day, yeah. Are you following the world's hottest World Cup fan? Who apparently she's been getting a lot of attention. Oh, the Polish girl with the. Big uh, Natalia uh, Nemechova. Anyway, she's a porn star, and it's all a publicity uh, thing. So all right. There you go. So she shows up to games with her hooters hanging out. Yeah, scantily clad. Great. Yeah. Okay, super. I do enjoy being manipulated, Yay. which brings us to the next story. Okay. The Honduran toddler pictured sobbing in a pink jacket before U.S. President Donald Trump, blah, 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 Time Magazine, was not separated from her mother at the U.S. border, according to the girl's father. The powerful uh, photograph uh, taken by one John Moore became one of the iconic images in the flurry of media coverage about the separation of families. Dozens of newspapers and magazines around the globe published the picture, swelling the tide of outrage that pushed Trump to back down, said families would no longer be separated. My daughter has become a symbol of the separation of children at the U.S. border. She may have even touched President Trump's heart, Dennis Valera told Reuters in a telephone interview. Um, but he says the little girl and her mother were detained together and were not separated at any point. Um, he said he was awestruck and pained when he first saw the photo of his crying daughter. Seeing what was happening to her in that moment breaks anyone's heart, he said. I would agree. 
You hate to see a little child in pain, emotional or otherwise. Uh, the photo was used on a Facebook fundraiser that drew more than $17 million in donations from close to half a million people for the Refugee and Immigrant Center for Immigration and Legal Services, a Texas-based nonprofit that provides legal defense services to immigrants and refugees. Well, I like things to Helps be... them break the law. I like things to be true in general, but if that picture, you know, represents uh, an idea that is happening... And then you know what's the what's the real harm done? If it were if it if it were portraying something that is just plain not occurring, then that would really be a problem. Counterpoint: It's inaccurate emotional manipulation, and you are a soft head. Back, <laughs> back to you. Oh, this is getting good. <laughs> oh boy, I just I I can't take it anymore. If I'm Do, trying to what, think of what, an you example, can't, you can't understand. Uh, an issue or come up with a position on it or understand the need to do this, that, and the other unless you got a weeping baby. Well, that seems, come to, be, on. That seems to be human nature that pictures, videos... Bring back the dinosaurs, then, and the giant beavers. That's what I say. I've had enough of humankind. Pictures and videos make a huge Sweet difference. meteor of death. Come, come, come mercifully. <laughs> Save we, me from this. Where we get into a real problem is if you have one of those pictures that moves hearts and minds and it's completely opposite of what is really happening, which can happen or has happened. I don't know. Well, yeah, I, my problem with it is that it's an incredibly powerful image that was used to sway people's hearts and not their minds and lead us even further down a road of nonsensical, cruel immigration policy. It's unproductive. It's hurting, not helping. And it so happens the little kid is just upset because all of a sudden there's cops everywhere and her mom's getting cuffed. And who can blame her? I'd be upset, too. My mom didn't get cuffed was the thing. She got away with it? (laughs) That's right. Absolutely right. So uh, Utah's banned lays at graduation ceremonies because it might be cultural appropriation. And now you're praying for the sweet meteor down there, aren't you? (laughs) Come save us, Smod. Actually, it's more about logistics and cleaning concerns from venues, but community activists say the practice is another example of the kind of cultural misunderstanding. Is that a thing thing at graduations? Uh, People from uh, the Pacific Islands. Yeah, it's a tradition. They really want to wear their traditional stuff on a day of celebration and blah, blah, blah. So. All right. I think we'll all be okay. I can't <laughs> pretend to be outraged by I this I hope in we'll either be. direction. I hope we'll be okay. Jack, Utah is the seventh largest population of Native Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders in the United States. Couldn't have told you that. I wouldn't have guessed that. Because I, w- I have no interest right. in which states I, I, have the I wouldn't have guessed idea. if you'd asked me, I'd have said I'm not going to answer that question. I don't care. Because I don't care. Do you know who's in fourth place? No. No. No one, no, I don't care. Matter. Don't tell me. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? <laughs> well, Donald Trump spikes GOP immigration reform. California voters are going to be getting their chance to control time. And Disney about to charge guests by the hour to enjoy the park. Hmm. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm trying to think, figure that out. Might be a good thing. I don't know. Uh, we'll discuss all that coming up in Marshall's News. You are listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm covering the Pete Davidson Arianda Grande engagement. Yes. 
So, um, yesterday, Pete Davidson Instagrammed out a photo of Ariana Grande dressed in hot clothes in a hot pose, oh, right? Yeah. Which is just. Oh, yeah. Look at my fiance. Yeah, what are Look you how doing? Hot there? she is. Yeah. And then, so she responded to his Instagram with, I love you. He replied with, I love you more, though. To which comedian Seth Rogen then added on the Instagram, guys, seriously. Which got 2,600 Instagram likes immediately. His guys, seriously comment. (laughs) Which is kind of funny. That is drylicious. Yeah. Then Pete Davidson responded at Seth Rogen, when you're getting married to the hottest girl in the world, you tell me how you'd act. Like Like a (laughs) grown-up? Yeah. But I wish those two kids nothing but happiness. I'm not going to go snark on this. They're doomed, but... Well, that's it's a shame. That that's different. I can I can uh, hope for and just assume they'll be they'll be happily ever. You don't need to be Instagramming out pictures of how hot your girlfriend is and then saying I love to each other in print for everybody else to read. Social media going (laughs) full. You're schmoopy. No, you're schmoopy. Oh God. Oh my God. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Now President Trump's telling GOP legislators to forget about it. Tweeting this morning, Republicans should stop wasting their time on immigration until after we elect more senators and congressmen and women in November. Dems are just playing games. They got no intention of doing anything to solve the decades old problem. We can pass great legislation after the red wave. This coming down is the House Republicans are already scrambling to try and find a path toward uh, immigration reform. They got a vote on a second immigration bill that's been postponed to next week after the hardline bill was defeated yesterday. The Republican leaders putting off the vote in order to give members a little more time to read the second bill. Oh, is that it? And that's they need more the time reason. to read it? Right. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Well, we talked to Tom McClintock uh, from the 4th District of California IA uh, earlier this morning, and he said, look, this is the way that the Republic is supposed to function. We're arguing, we're wrestling, we're trying to come up with compromise, we're airing people's opinions. Yeah, but nothing ever happens on this issue. Well, true that. But what do you want? What do you want, Jack? A dictatorship? What? <laughs> it's just, it's democracies sometimes don't work, and this is sure as hell an example of it. Well, we got a victory for digital privacy today. The Supreme Court saying police generally need to get a search warrant if they want to track criminal suspects' movements by collecting information about where they've used their cell phones. The justices had a 5-4 decision today. It's being called a victory for privacy in the digital age. It's going to mark a big change in how police obtain cell phone tower records, an important tool in criminal investigations. And it turns out Chief Justice John Roberts joined the court's four liberals in this ruling. They are liberals. Now, I'm reading some of the dissents because there were four different dissents, as I understand it. Justice Kennedy, the frequent swing voter, essentially said... Look, it's third-party data. You gave it willingly to somebody else, so you can't cry that it's protected by the Fourth Amendment. That was true. It's still true. He doesn't see the big difference in cell phone data. Um, I just think he's unrealistic about the the change in the modern world. Um, Because we're supposed to be secure in our papers. I mean, that's straight out of, you know, constitutional history. Um, And our papers are now on our cell phone. Uh, But he doesn't buy it. I'm going to read the rest of them and see what they have to say. I wonder what uh, what Clarence Thomas has to say. I'm surprised because he's usually pretty 
pretty big on the Bill of Rights. I'd right. like to know what the smartphone use is of the justices, if they all have smartphones and use them the way normal people do, the way most people do. Or I'll if some of them... I guarantee their clerks do, and they're you know pretty important uh-huh. in the process, but that's a good question. I wonder myself. A measure that would keep California on daylight saving time year-round is headed to the November ballot. Yes! Yes! Finally! Oh, man, I played golf last night. I teed off at like 7 o'clock yep. at night. And it's just, it's great. It's day until night. Well, Joan in Arizona with doing what's right. Lawmakers voting to ask voters to give them the authority to move toward changing the state's current policy of starting daylight saving time on the second Sunday in March, going year-round with daylight saving time. The measure. Keeping in mind that none of the original reasons for doing it exist anymore. Okay, you got to keep that in mind. The cows, the fields. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Either either the original reasons don't exist or the reasons you've heard were never true. Both are are in play here. And and even if they were, who cares? (laughs) It's the modern world. If the initiative passes, the federal government would need to approve the switch to daylight saving time on a permanent basis. But if, if... Why? I don't understand that either. Who would? The federal government federal has government. to approve a state deciding we don't want to change our clock. Shut up! All right, how much is a trip to Disneyland worth to you? The company, Disney, has started testing dynamic pricing. Ah, oh, yeah. That would charge visitors by the hour to enjoy the park. Now, they're kicking things off with California Adventures' highly anticipated Pixar Pier. They're opening a day early today for dedicated fans who pay $300 or 50 bucks an hour to get in. Well, I think that'd make a lot of people run around really fast. Oh, yeah, on an, the other hand. have an hour until, boy, at uh, 5 o'clock we have to pay for a whole other hour. We've got to ride that now or not. I mean, you can't, like, yeah. hang around the concession stand having your hot dog or something. Yeah, no. wow, running from place to place with your little kids. <laughs> Daddy, slow down. No. People will be cutting in line, yeah. I guarantee you. Oh, yeah, there's that, too. Okay. It actually makes a difference. Yeah. Uh. Oh, wow, yeah, that's a good point. And on the other hand, if a guy like me says, oh, my God, I can't take these crowds yes. anymore. You don't have to worry. You sunk the full cost in. You just flee. Yep. The idea is that a thousand people at three hundred bucks will generate the same revenue as three thousand people at a hundred dollars, but because the three hundred dollar event will be a lot less crowded, guests will enjoy it much more. Well, why don't you just charge fifty thousand dollars a ticket then, and <laughs> just have like four or five Arab sheiks there, <laughs> and like an internet billionaire? Then they'd enjoy the hell out of it, and you keep your revenue the same. Mark Zuckerberg's kids and some right, exactly. Iranian oil baron. Yeah. All this comes as Disneyland's making major changes to its annual passes and ticket prices all ahead of next year's opening of Star Wars Land. All right. Uh, so I'm reading the uh, the dissent of Clarence Thomas here, and in yep. effect, he says... Well, he mentions the Constitution. Each person has the right to be secure against unreasonable searches in his own person, house, papers, and effect. That's from a, a major court ruling. Uh, blah, blah, blah. The government did not search Carpenter's property. That's the defendant. He did not create the records. He does not maintain them. He cannot control them, and he cannot destroy them. Neither the terms of his contracts nor any provision of law makes the records his. Yeah, I just think that's unrealistic. I mean, I can't come up with a legal argument for it, but it's just... Hmm. I have to have a cell phone. They have the information. I don't think they should be able to, you know, somebody should be able to access it whenever the hell they want to. 
You know, the other thing. I'm glad it came out the way I want. Yeah. Five four. That's a close one. The other thing too. Now in the digital age, you don't have any control over your own records. You can't destroy them if you want to. Right. The company owns them. The third party owns them. Right. That whole you go into Google or yeah. Facebook and, and wipe it out. Who actually thinks it goes away? Right. Why would I believe that? You know, I, I appreciate Clarence Thomas's restraint. Um. And his deference to the law and the Constitution is written. On the other hand, if it's clearly the sort of thing that humanity has always protected, everywhere I've been and everywhere I've everyone I've talked to, for instance, and you just kind of sort of accidentally have those records and they're held by somebody else and nobody's quite sure how it all works. Again, I'm not sure I could write a dissent to his dissent and make it hold up, but... Yeah, I'm. I'm. Tr- I can't agree with them. There you well, go. And neither did the majority. Although it's the justices, I almost never ever agree with. Right. So I'm a little troubled by that. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Oh, Squawky, Squawky, tell us what the Constitution really means, so we'll know. Justice Ginsburg carries a mobile semaphore set. What is that? Is that an old-timey phone? <laughs> That's the flag signals. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Good joke that went over my head. The petering out coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Let's go out in the Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. So what makes CNN's panels better than the rest? Let's start with the most important thing. You want a spirited debate. If the panelists can hear each other talk, you've already failed. You have no respect for Mrs. Trump. You have no respect for his children. You have no respect oh, for his family. Because this has nothing sorry, to do Paris. with him as I'm a sorry, cat. Nobody goes back in your respect. past and picks up Perhaps something that has nothing to do with your present time. Perhaps. See, CNN doesn't waste time trying to solve a crisis or educate the viewer. Now, their priority is producing a show that'll get them millions of clicks on their YouTube page. Look at that. Those are Pornhub numbers. Sorry, that's not fair. I shouldn't associate such a disgusting industry with porn. Yeah, that's pretty good. CNN uh, putting an S show on the air to try to get clicks. No kidding. Not trying to inform anybody. Not unwatchable. Yeah. That's so terrible. So, we oh, talked. Hey, Peter Fonda has apologized for his, uh, his yeah, terrible. Well, you have tweet. to. You know Was he what? drunk? I, if I cared what some crazy old actor said, I would care about his apology. I don't really. Having said that, it is a full and manful apology. And I tip my cap. To the crazy old actor. So we talked a lot earlier about uh, Charles Krauthammer, who died yesterday. He is somebody he wrote columns for the Washington Post for years. He was in four hundred newspapers nationwide. He was on Fox News practically every day that I watched. And I always waited, like a lot of people, to see what he had to say about things. He was incredibly smart. He was amazingly courageous. He was cool. He was funny. He was well rounded, and he was the sort of guy you aspire to be more like. I saw Tucker Carlson last night talking about it, and uh, and he said, all of the Fox hosts will tell you, if you're in an airport, the number one question you get is, what is Charles Krauthammer like? Wow. That's what everybody wanted to know. God, and they could not keep a dry eye. 
the Brett Bear's show without Brett was mostly about Krauthammer last night, and everybody was just struggling to keep it together. Everybody. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. Anyway, there is a special on Fox tonight called Charles, Charles Krauthammer in his own words, put together by Brett Bear. I can't talk. Speaking of words. Uh, anyway, we got about a, a, a chunk of it here, although we thought it'd be good to share. You'll ask me, how do you go from Walter Mondale to Fox News? And the answer, the short answer is, I was young once. Yeah. Now, the longer answer is that it actually wasn't, I didn't have an epiphany. I didn't wake up one morning, the clouds parted, uh, a shaft of light came down, and the Lord spaketh unto me. It wasn't quite how that worked out. It's quite simple. In my 20s, I was a Democrat. Uh, and incidentally, this is a road that's not, this is a road that has been trod by many, including, of course, Ronald Reagan, who started out as a New Deal Democrat. And what happened is simple. When I was in my 30s, I began my writing career. The evidence on what the Great Society, the War on Poverty, which I had believed in, in my 20s and my teens, the evidence on what its actual empirical effects were, began to come in. And I was a physician. I'm open to empirical evidence. And the evidence... The evidence is he's being possessed by Satan. What is going on? Why is it in slow motion? I didn't even know I could do that. How is that possible with digital? That sounds like something that would happen with a tape machine. Yeah, the, the, the motor burned out. Okay. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Well, this has been a lovely part. tribute to the life that was Charles Krauthammer. Well, we don't need to revisit it. As run through. And I was a physician. I'm open to empirical evidence. evidence again. Any evidence? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's yes, just in the recording. Oh. So, um, okay. okay. Again, and we talked about this a lot earlier, yeah. but if the, the the main thing I'm going to take from Charles Krauthammer is just his attitude on life after having a tragedy happen in his life that he decided to not let it define him, which is obviously easier said than done. Sure. But but you know, paralyzed almost entirely from the neck down, an accident in his early twenties. And he just forged ahead. Like, from that moment on, he said, well, that's not going to hold me back. Yikes. I don't think there's hardly anybody that could do that, but you can get closer. I can get closer with the various things that we face on a daily basis. Reminds you not to be a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. In the parlance of, you know, the common man. Hey, kids, it's that time again. With Armstrong and Getty. <laughs> That's <laughs> incredibly incongruous with the so Charles Crownhammer discussion, but really charming. Uh, here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. All right, Final Thoughts! Hey, Michelangelo, what's your final thoughts, sir? All right, beginning this Sunday, the lines at the DMV in Saudi Arabia will always be twice as long as for the first time <gasps> women get to drive. I had a Saudi women blast. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, so I just say, so Saudi men, make sure you make an appointment if you're going to get your car registered. <laughs> Shuffle over here in your dress that you wear. Uh, Marshall Phillips, final thoughts. Well, I'm going to put on my new Searsucker shorts and uh, get back to uh, my uh, workout so I can do those 10 push-ups in a row by the end of next week. I'm looking forward to that. Yes. <laughs> Boy, anybody up for a wager? Hey, uh, Positive Sean, final thought. Yeah, I got a new bucket list item for me. Every year on the summer solstice, druids, pagans, and partiers descend upon Stonehenge to celebrate it. It's described as Burning Man meets Game of Thrones. I got to go to this next year. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, Jack, what's your final thought? A little happy, but as I was just talking about, my new ideal of how you deal with situations comes from Charles Krauthammer's living of his life. And, uh, you know, I hope to move the ball a little further down the field that direction. 
I have two final thoughts. Uh, number one, uh, selling a house has become incredibly complex. I will never sell a house again. I will just burn it to the ground and disappear. <laughs> Not a bad plan. <laughs> My second final thought is, as of Sunday, women in Saudi Arabia will be allowed to drive. Saudi Arabia, you have two days to think this over. <laughs> While it is almost certainly an unacceptable oppression of the fairer sex who have every right to do everything any man does. It's got to cut down on traffic, for one thing. Oh, have, yeah, heck yeah. Please. You got to buy another car for the family now. Do you? Probably. They don't even get the vote. You don't have to buy them a car. Hmm. It's a step forward, though, for the women. Hmm. And I, I salute King Salmon. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another whatever grueling four-hour workday. Do you order Salmon at the restaurant? No, you don't. So many people, thanks so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. <laughs> Somebody really enjoyed your, well, this has been a loving tribute to Charles <laughs> <laughs> See you Monday. God bless America. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. Now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.